Let's do it. Let's do it. Broadcasting from around the world, you're listening to The First 100, a podcast on how founders acquired their first 100 paying customers. Here's your host, Hadi Rodwan. Good to have you on the show, Mark. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thank you very much. Let me just start with a quick introduction for our listeners. Mark Aptekin, founder, chairman, and CMO of American Technologies Network, ATN, also known as. It's an industry leader in manufacturing of night vision and thermos smart optics. Uh, you started this almost 30 years ago. Tell us the backstory, Mark. Well, I mean, the backstory is actually quite funny. I've never been involved in optics, or, and at the time, I really wasn't involved in engineering yet. And this was in the mid-90s, or actually early 90s. I was finishing college, and a friend of mine convinced me to try to do some business with the ex-Soviet Union. I had a rudimentary Russian. I was born in Kiev, in Ukraine, uh, today. And I went on an exploratory tour, you know, meeting with different uh, business leaders, had some family connections involved. And one of my actually last, very, very last meeting, I met up with this ex-colonel of KGB. And this was early 90s. There was still a lot of very cagey things going on in Russia. And if you can imagine, I, I grew up in Cal- Northern California. I went to school in Los Angeles. Uh, I was this you know, blonde surfer kid and meeting with these very, you know, very, very tough kind of characters who were, who were selling military hardware. I knew nothing about the gear. But he happened to have a little night vision scope from, I guess, kind of like new commercialized military device that they were at the time trying to sell. We didn't know much about it. We turned off the lights, put a couple of batteries in, and I thought it was very cool. Ended up, you know, buying a whole bunch of samples, bringing it back to the States. And literally, we started kind of like almost a garage-type operation. I think our first office, we had no bathrooms, we had no heat, we had pretty much no anything. But we built a really fun team, and pretty much 20-somethings and everything. And, we, you know, we sold, we went to trade shows, we explored the industry, and we did great. And then within a year, we started our own product development. We decided that, you know, we were going to try to innovate. You know, first, the innovations were small, minor, minor things. But, you know, over time, we developed uh, our own facilities and, and grew and learned and actually hired real engineers who understood this product besides just uh, how to turn it on and off <laughs> and which, what kind of fun things you can do with it. And so, yeah, yeah, 30, almost 30 years in the business. The last 10 years was, was a big change, of course. We, we've uh, shifted from what people think of say classical night vision. So if you like, you watch like older movies, even even today, you see like people in the military or um, at nighttime, you see everything in green, right? So that's kind of the classical night vision. Um, it's a little, it's more limited, but today everything has been shifting to digital, right? You know, digital phones, digital sensors. Uh, that was an incredible I mean, explosion in thermal sensors. So what a thermal sensor is for those people who don't aren't too familiar with it, it's an ability for almost like a camera-like sensor to be able to see the world in heat patterns. And initially it was just, you know, you, you can see just, you know, very, very just blobby, hot spot, cold spot, see if you can, you know, detect things, mostly used for industrial applications. But as the uh, technology improved and the resolution uh, went up, now you can see really good quality images and, and in high frame rates, great contrast, we have been able to take advantage of this to build an entire product line based on these thermal sensors, binoculars, scopes, binoculars, hunting industry, security, um, all, all types of applications. 
Amazing. I, I love your story because what they teach us is find the pain point, find the market and then get the product. In your case, you liked the product, you brought it in and then you figured out how to sell it. Was that something planned or you just liked the product and you said, you know what, I'll ship some products and if it works, it works. Well, I remember this was like in, in the 90s, so there was no internet. Uh, research was us going to the library and uh, looking up statistics and facts. So, you know, we obviously did some research. I mean, it wasn't the only product that I brought in and the only proposal I brought in. So, you know, when we came back, we looked into it and there was just a huge price discrepancy. Basically, uh, at the time, I think United States and the ex-Soviet Union were pretty much the only two places around the world which built these types of systems. And because Soviet Union fell apart, the cost on their low end and their mid-range product lines was extremely low. A 10 to 1 discrepancy between uh, U.S. built systems and uh, Russian built systems. So we realized there was an opportunity. And then we, uh, we began to explore, right? Again, there was, you know, it took a little longer. You know, you had to run actual printed ads at the time. We ran nationwide campaign of, you know, specialized magazines, uh, initially, you know, hunting magazines, soldier fortune magazines. You know, we tried every kind of trade show out there from boating to shooting to consumer electronics. And some things worked, some things didn't work. And of course, over time, you know, it became a true product line, right? Today, night vision and thermal and variety of kind, you know, whether it's digital, uh, classical or the thermal, it's become a staple in many, many industries, right? If you are doing anything in security, that's a very normal part of your pack, right? If you are a hunter, people really find our products useful, especially today in uh, areas where you have to do any kind of hot control or environment control at night, right? Uh, generally speaking, you know, 20 years ago when thermal and night vision really wasn't around or it was too expensive, not available, it was very, very difficult to go after these farms. You know, if you own a farm, a lot of hogs were causing enormous, enormous damage. Right? And today with gear like we build, uh, you can go out and you turn it on and not only you can see everything at night, but the hot targets pop up, right? So all of a sudden, the problems that you could not deal with, you know, again, even 10 years ago is uh, easy peasy and it's fun. Right? Amazing. So this is a very interesting product. You've been in the industry for 30 years. I believe that you had challenges along the way. How did you build reputation? Because you need to be trustworthy enough for customers to come and buy a specialized product. Did you have any challenges early on? And if there's any framework or tactic you've used to build that trust and reputation along the way? Oh my God, of course, of course, yeah. I mean, there was, you know, countless challenges. I mean, again, when we were first starting out, you know, we had a group, as I said, you know, early 20s was most of us, right? And even I think when we already incorporated ATN as ATN is, you know, most of the core management team was 25, right? So we went out and we met with retailers, where we met with distributors, no matter what kind of suit we wore, you know, you can clearly tell we were beginners. <laughs> so how, how do you deal with this challenge? Well, you deal with the challenges in a traditional way. You, you make sure you keep your word. You make proposals that you can actually manage, right? You don't overpromise. Right? I've always believed it's better to underpromise and deliver than to overpromise and then fall flat on your face, right? Maybe you can do it in certain industries where, you know, growth is the most important thing, but in a um, more traditional space where you are reliant on a solid uh, retail network, when you're reliant on a solid distributor network, if you cannot 
maintain uh, your promises and if you cannot meet whatever uh, is that you, you, you promised, you're going to fail. You're going to go out of business. So for that was was a critical was critical for us. That was you know part of our philosophy of our business. You know make sure we're always on time for delivery. Make sure that you know our product does what it states it does. Make sure that we can provide the customer support that, that needs for meet the needs of our clients and our distributors. Right. Crazy. So if we look back, you said you were pre-internet phase. It's a different way of you know selling and reaching the end customer. Today. You're easily researched. Probably if you're in a profitable niche, you would attract competition. So how did your sales strategy change today versus yesterday? Well, we shifted again about 10, 12 years ago when we had the big mobile phone revolution. We have managed to be able to take advantage of it. We saw and I kind of saw from, from an early stage that this is where the world was going to. Everything was going to be changed by the fact that now each one of us is going to have a superpower computer in our pockets, right? And it's not just a superpower computer, right? It's a superpower camera. It's a superpowerful processor that manages to process your images, your videos, and everything else. Well, these are the same components that we today use in our digital devices. When we went digital, our capabilities went from small to, to enormous. Right? Not, not only we could see at nighttime, but now we could record. We could easily transfer the images to uh, social media. We had built in ballistic calculators in order to be able to create uh, more accurate shots. We have added laser rangefinders to be able to track the distance. We have added a host and host of features to make the product more interesting increase its utility, lower cost, and also make it, again, fun. Because for a lot of people, what we sell, just like any consumer electronics, it's used for a hobby, right? Yes, you can be very passionate, you can be very serious about your hobby, like shooting or hunting or even security, but that doesn't mean that, you know, it's not necessarily has to be fun, right? And this is what we've enabled. And once we switch to uh, digital, our market has grown uh, exponentially. We had to shift. We had to make drastic shifts in the way that we build products. We went from mostly being reliant on utilizing optical and mechanical engineers to a majority of our development staff now consists of software developers, hardware, electronic experts. So, you know, again, very, very different skill set. Same thing with the marketing. If before we focused on selling through retail stores, through major distributors that carry similar product lines or government entities, government contracts. We do a lot of government contracts around the world. And now we go direct a lot, right? We market direct. You know, we're happy for the customer to go to anywhere. They can, they can go to one of our stores. They can go to other retail locations. They can buy from online. They can buy from Amazon. It doesn't matter. But because of online, we're able to really market to the customer and let them know what kind of product available we can do. How does it compare to the more traditional uh, devices? Uh, but of course, yeah, I mean, there's a lot more competition, especially coming from places like China, right? I mean, everybody, anybody and everybody who's doing business in any type of electronics or consumer electronics is, is obviously has to compete with China, right? So you have to be quicker. You have to be more innovative, right? If, again, when we worked in traditional night vision, R&D or probably, let's say it this way, our product cycle, say it would be... 15 to 20 years is your expectations for a product to last. Today, if you come out with something, you realize it's going to be out of date within a couple of years, right? So you have to constantly come out with new generation of products, new chipsets, new technology in order to be relevant. Amazing. So you're a serial entrepreneur. This is not your only business. You've started this, multiple. Yes. Yeah. This is not my only business. 
Amazing. So if you were starting from scratch today, you want to start a new business, a fourth, fifth, sixth business, what's your checklist like? How would you approach it? And give us an advice if I'm in, I just started my business, what should I do next? Well, first of all, you have to figure out who you are and what are your main strengths, right? Are you a specialist? If you are a specialist, then you should probably stick to the specialist, right? There's a lot of people I know who, let's say, work for 10, 20 years in a business, and they're tired of it, right? But they're great. They're fantastic. They're brilliant in their field, but they're specialists. And they say, well, you know, I'm totally tired of doing this. I'm going to jump on something else because everything else looks so much easier. My business is so hard, but everybody else's business is so easy. Most of the time, it doesn't work. And they, they fail, and they go back to doing what they're doing. So if you are a specialist, uh, whether or not you have a business already or you work in a particular industry, stay with that industry. This is what you understand. This is what you've been doing. This is what you honed your skills on your entire life. And then find an opportunity. See where the grass is greener, the water is blue. Again, if you know your business well, you always know what, what an opportunity is, right? That's the basics. The next thing is obviously finding your team, you know. We go through the initial start in our life, right? Everybody talks to us, parents, uh, school, other entrepreneurs, that your people is the most important thing. Frankly, I don't think most people really understand this until many, many, many years later. But if you're already experienced and you have not just knowledge but wisdom, you need to understand that your team, especially your core team, has to be top-notch. It has to be a level of trust, and it has to be a high level of competence in whatever you do. And that needs to be your core. Amazing. If you were to pick one principle that has worked with you over your career or your journey, what principle has served you well in, in terms of the success you've achieved? Discipline. Absolutely. The number one characteristics that I think separates successful people and not successful. I don't think you have to be the most intelligent person in the world. I don't think you have to be the most clever. I don't think you even have to be the most hardworking, but you do have to have discipline. And by discipline, I mean is you need to learn from your mistakes and have enough strength of character to adjust your behavior. And for those things that work for you, utilize those habits on a daily basis. And it's a combination of things. It's today, you have to continuously learn, right? Continuously learn. It doesn't matter what you do. It makes absolutely no difference. If you stop learning because you think you know everything about your business, within some time, whether it's going to be a year or 10 years, you're going to fall behind. You have to take care of yourself. If you take care of your body, if you take care of your mental health, if you take care of your well-being, you're going to have more energy, you're going to have more drive, you're going to have more passion, you're going to have more enthusiasm, and you're going to be far, far more successful than any other way. 100%. I, I believe what you're saying is true, but discipline is something that you learn along the way. What made you a disciplined person? Is there any events or trainings or mentorships that made you... I've always attempted to learn new things. I'm a very curious person. And I think I was fortunate enough to read a few books in terms of in terms of sales, in terms of entrepreneurial success, where they talked about how important it is to discipline. And it stuck to me, right? And that idea stuck to me. And also the idea stuck to me is that of making the right decisions, right? And it's not necessarily the right decisions, whether or not, you know, you're going to invest in company A or company B. But I mean, 
we make thousands of decisions every single day, right? If we don't take them seriously at all, and we we'll, uh, we just throw them by the wayside, then they become haphazard. But if you think about what you do, you think about how you exercise, you think about how you treat your friends, uh, you think about what you're going to, uh, which book you're going to uh, pick today. Is this something going to benefit you? Is this something going to benefit you? Not necessarily for work, right? But how is it going to benefit, right? So to me, is if we can make 100 positive decisions that have a potential to give you long-term positive effect every single day, just in reality, not that much. Over time, they're going to build up. And this combination of making these right decisions and obviously be disciplined about making the right decisions, right? They snow call. And within a few years, it becomes like a principle of a compound interest. Same thing, right? And if you keep compounding your positive factors, you can keep improving your knowledge base. You can improve, improving your uh, factors, your uh, social networks, what, whatever it is that you know is important to you and important for you to make your life successful, it will take effect. And to me, that is a combination of discipline and making the right decisions. Amazing. How were dinner like with your parents early on in your young career? Oh, uh, that's tricky. So uh, my mother got divorced pretty early in my life, and. She remarried, and unfortunately, I'd never had a great relationship with her husband. But, you know, I've always had a wonderful relationship with her. I always had a wonderful relationship with my grandparents where, you know, we discussed everything. They came, again, also from a very interesting family with engineering backgrounds. I always thought I was going to be an engineer when I was a kid. That was my number one priority. Knowledge and the pursuit of knowledge is the most important. It wasn't the pursuit of wealth. It was really the pursuit of knowledge, right? And I think that's also about the wealth are very critical in terms of entrepreneurship, right? If you only chase the dollar, you're going to miss a lot, a lot of things along the way. And also, it's going to be a lot harder for you to really achieve your goals, right? I think the most important thing is, you know, go for what you want to do, right? And you'll get excited. Passion. That's also critical, right? You have to be passionate. I tell people, if you are running a company and you have lost that passion, sell your shares. It doesn't matter. You know, even if you sell it at a loss, from what you expect to get. It makes no difference. Find something that you're truly passionate about, right? Because A, you're going to be happier as a human being. B, you're much more likely to be successful in that particular field, right? Or that particular uh, business. You know, Steve Jobs once said, one way to remember who you are is to remember who your hero is. Who is your hero? Well, you know, I've never been a big hero worshiper, but if you ask me who I admire tremendously, I would say today, Elon Musk. I think he is one of the most brilliant, incredible people to uh, for us to have in our century. Absolutely incredible human being. The only thing that I, I find lacking in, in Elon Musk is his inability to slow down and have a balance between other things in life besides work. That's the only thing. Well, if you want to go to Mars, you cannot have any work-life balance in, in that sense. That's very true. <laughs> and he loves what he does, right? You know, he finds pleasure from that meeting. Yeah. I think also it's very critical for people to find meaning in their life. I see a lot of younger people today who are constantly looking just for a cheap happiness. They say, well, as long as I'm happy. But what does that mean? So you're constantly looking for being happy? That's, that's shallow. I think people who are only looking for happiness in the long term, they're going to find a very hollow life that they've built for themselves, right? I think we need meaning, whatever that means, right, to you. 
Some people, you know, find meaning in music, art, literature, teaching, you know, some people in business. But you need to have that meaning in order to be satisfied. And then you can have happiness, of course. 100%. I think he found his purpose. He wants to solve hard problems. And uh, there's so many people who don't believe he can do it or they just, uh, you know, challenge them because saying no is easy. Being cynical is easy. But solving the hard problems is quite hard. One last question, Mark. What's next for ATN and Mark? We recently started, well, a different company called Wield AI, and we're working on launching our beta product, hopefully in the next few weeks, that is going to be very sentient, hopefully a very sentient sales and customer support system that we want to grow into many different aspects of the business. We believe that AI will revolutionize the world. I love working on it. I think it's an absolutely incredible tool. I understand there's potential dangers. I do. But at the same time, the genie is out of the bag. And I would much rather ride the wave than see it from down below. Makes a lot of sense. We'll put uh, in the show notes the link to the company if it's not yet in stealth mode. Thank you for stopping by. That was an amazing episode. How can people reach you? I'm easily available. If you just Google Mark Vane, I pop up. Uh, and obviously through uh, atncorp.com or my LinkedIn profile, if you're doing business, that's generally speaking what I use. Amazing. We wish you the best of luck on your new venture and Thanks have so a great day. Thank you. Thank Take you. Care. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to The First 100. We hope it inspired you in your journey. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify, and share it with a friend starting their entrepreneurship journey. Leave us a five-star review. Your support will help spread our podcast to more viewers. 